Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Climate of Sport Ask Me Anything with me Claire Poole. It is a pleasure to be with you again on the pod. So since I last spoke to you, the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. In environmental coverage, the Premier League clubs have agreed to a minimum standard of environmental action. And unfortunately we've seen a lot of stories here in the Northern Hemisphere of cancellation of winter sports due to lack of snow and flooding of grassroots facilities, which we often see at this time of year. It reminds us of why it's so important of the action that we need to take, how we can play a part. So in line with that, we're back on the podcast this week thinking about the latest question, which we'll get into very shortly. Before I move on to that, I just want to remind you to keep contacting us with your questions about anything to do with sport and sustainability and thank those of you who have already sent your questions in. If we haven't covered yours yet, don't worry, we're going to get to them all. We're just going to pick and choose in order of when the questions came in, how we cover them. And thank you all for your feedback on last week's episode as well. That was the first one of the Ask Me Anything series. Thank you to the hundreds of people who have listened to the podcast and to those who are so kindly reviewing and rating the pod. If you feel inclined, we'd so appreciate the feedback and the rating, which obviously helps share the word through podcast platforms. Onto the question we're going to cover this week, which has more of an operational focus. There was a reminder you can submit your questions through our social media platforms, through the website or by email. Details at the end of the pod. This question is a short and simple one, which came through Lauren on Instagram, but a really interesting and important one as well, which simply was, where should sports clubs start? Five words that really underpin where people should be thinking about that you haven't actually done so much yet. Maybe you know that there's activity happening inside your sport organisation, but it's not been formalised yet. Maybe you're in a position where you're really just getting to grips with the fact that this has to happen. Whilst we know there's many, many global sport organisations that are doing incredible actions, some of which you've been doing it for years or decades. When you look at the number of sport organisations globally that are leading on this work or have been doing it for a longer time, compared to the number of sport organisations that exist globally, you start to see that whilst incredible strides have been made, and for some of you listening to this, it may feel quite early stage compared to where you're at. Actually, we can imagine that the majority of sport organisations globally are in this position based on the numbers that we see of those who are quite vocal about their commitments and their actions. So it's a really important question and one which we're going to cover in today's episode. So as usual, I'm going to go through some key elements I think is a useful place to start if you do find yourself in this position. Even if you are further along on the journey, you might still find it interesting to listen, to share, to underline and confirm what you're doing is good stuff and also to hear from a couple of our experts who are going to join us and share their views on this week's episode as well. Let's just run through some of the key areas I think are absolutely crucial to cover when it comes to where sports clubs should start on their journey, specifically as we cover environmental sustainability. So the one I'm going to start with is one you've already got. Every sport organisation has got it, but you may just not have it in the way currently that you need it. And that's data. In terms of sport organisations I speak to all the time, especially those who are earlier on in the journey or who are doing the work now to formalise their efforts, maybe they're looking to create their baseline carbon footprint. One of the biggest hindrances to being able to do these effectively is a lack of data. Now, all sport organisations will have 
some data and it will probably be financial. And that data can be used, for example, your energy bills are going to have how many kilowatt hours of electricity you use or how much gas you're using. Mainly, you've thought about that in a financial perspective. Historically, obviously, there's data in there that you can use in terms of what your footprint is when it comes to the use of that energy. Travel. Again, you've probably collected expenses of business, staff, team travel, where people are going from and to, what class of travel they are traveling by and how many people are traveling. But you've thought about it in terms of financial data. How much did it cost and how did it fit within the budget? So again, you've probably got that data already. But what the issue is, is that it's long-winded to gather all of that information to look at not the financial implications, but the environmental implications and so on. So you will all have the data already. What we need to think about is using that data and collecting that data in a way that not only underlines the financial budget and value, but the environmental impact. So even if you are very early stage and you don't feel as though you've got the buy-in to really activate anything right at the moment, the one thing you can do is start to going forward, collect your data in a way that much more easily shows what your travel footprint is, what your energy footprint is, what your water footprint is. Have you asked your waste collection organisations to break down where the waste goes, the tonnage of it, how many waste streams there are, where it goes? These are all very operational thoughts and and we're going to start operationally, but also think more strategically as well. If you haven't got a resource in place to bring a consultant on board to do this work for you or hire a sustainability manager or an expert in, in ESG, what you can do is try and collect the data in a way that means when you do get around this, that you've got the information you need already to be able to hit the ground running because you understand where your biggest impacts are. Data is the first one. The second one is an obvious one. It's just to start. I know that's wildly simple. The advice is with a bit of a caveat. So yes, you need to start where you are and you need to do something. No, you're not too late. We hear this a lot. Oh, I keep reading about how all these organisations are so far ahead. We haven't done much yet. So maybe we've missed the boat on this. Wait for mandatory regulations to come in. No, 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 no. Absolutely start. But bear in mind when you do start doing these actions, even if they are small actions, that you understand that there is now an urgency behind these actions. So whilst, you know, 20 years ago, putting some recycling bins under people's desks was okay, now because of the depth of the climate crisis and what we're facing, whilst doing that action is still important, you have to do it in the caveat that you know it's not enough, but you're doing the action. So making sure that within those small actions, you're underpinning the urgency and the fact that incremental small gains are no longer enough in and of themselves. But of course, the same as every journey, you have to start with the first step. So please just make a start if you haven't already, even if you feel as though it's very small and insignificant. The third piece of advice I would give is around partnerships and procurement. Procurement, it's very much the unsung hero of this effort, because again, even if you don't have a head of sustainability, maybe you can't afford a consultant, maybe you haven't got the resource to bring in a, a dashboard that collects the information, all of which would be incredibly helpful for you to do. But if you're not there yet, you as a sport organisation are probably already procuring goods and services. So why not try and partner with suppliers that prioritise sustainability? Spend the same money as you would have spent anyway, but spend it well. So as well as that, looking for partners 
partnership to make improvements. So all sports organisations have sponsors and partners. Again, is there an element of that where you look at partnering with organisations that can not only financially contribute to your sport organisation, but perhaps provide some value in kind by helping you operationally or strategically with some of this work that you have to do. And we see this happening a lot already globally. The third, think about how you spend your money and spending it better. Think about who your current partners are, who new partners might be, and whether there's the opportunity to collaborate with them to help them reach some of these goals. The fourth one is a two-part around making connections. And I would say make connections both internally and externally. So internally, find like-minded people inside your organisation. Start the monthly ideas sessions. Share easy sustainability tips on an intranet. Connect, even if it's informal, it's a lunch, maybe it's a catch-up, maybe it's one hour a month, but where you all say how sustainability interacts with your role and what your plans and goals are for the next year and then meet every month and see how you can all drive this change if your organisation is not at a stage where you have that leadership buy-in yet. Hopefully that will come soon. And of course, with all of this in terms of where do you start, if you can start with an owner, a commissioner, a chairperson, a board, a CEO who understands the importance of this and can help drive this forward more strategically, of course, start there. What we're talking about with some of this advice is for organisations that don't feel as though leadership level, that buy-in is there the resources not being allocated, you perhaps are in a position where you can make some change and drive some influence, but you haven't got that more holistic or organisation-wide buy-in. So that's it. Most of this advice is couched in that, but obviously in terms of making these connections, if you have the leadership, then that is brilliant. Obviously lead with that. But these connections internally can really help socialise the idea, not just of taking small actions within people's individual roles, but also they show the leadership and management of the sport organisation that there is a cohort of people in various departments of your organisation that care deeply about this topic and are willing to take their time to make these changes and drive things forward. It's a very important internal message. The other side of that is connecting externally. There are a lot of people globally. In the past 10-15 years, a large global community has come together, which obviously Sport Positive supports and sits within, to connect externally with industry peers, to find out what they're doing, to understand what others are doing and what you can learn for. While sport is an incredibly competitive space, this space, people are so open and collaborative and are willing to share their expertise. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. So you can learn a lot from others. Again, there's a slight caveat to this because you don't just want to replicate someone else's sustainability strategy because if they're in a different sport, in a different geography, if they have a different setup, you don't want to replicate a strategy because you don't know that your impacts are going to be the same as theirs. You don't know that your areas of priority for action are going to be the same as theirs. But certainly if there are clubs, sports organisations that are in a similar geographical area in that have a same setup, whether it's stadium or venue based or outdoor sport. If you think there's a lot of similarities, then absolutely you can look at what they're doing, connect with them and try and learn from them. You don't need to start from scratch on this anymore. There's a huge amount of activity happening and a huge amount of people who can help. The last point I would say is a really important one if you are getting started is try and get and keep sustainability on the agenda. So through a lot of these other actions, starting sport, looking at procurement, connecting internally, connecting externally. All of it will start a drumbeat of action and information to leadership to raise awareness about what others are doing, why it's important for your organisation to do it and why it's so crucial for it to be kept on the agenda. In terms of all of this, that creates and socialises the idea that this is an important topic that should be on the agenda and that should be kept on the agenda. Also, as a kind of add-on to this, we're seeing now that only affects really large sporting organisations, but we can extrapolate in the coming years that may well change is mandatory 
sustainability reporting requirements. So we just saw in the last week that um, stock exchanges in China have announced new sustainability reporting guidelines for listed companies. We've already seen that in Europe through CSRD, the Corporate Sustainable Reporting Directive. We've seen it in the United States with the SEC's upcoming climate disclosure rules and other jurisdictions as well, Australia, Brazil, Singapore, UK. So these are for major listed business corporations of which some sport organisations are publicly listed. So you can see how it's already happening for those major institutions. But again, the way the world is going in terms of sustainability and the importance of it, you can only expect in, maybe it won't be for five or 10 or 15 or 50 years, but that it will become mandatory. So again, in terms of making a start, collecting data, connecting with partners and procuring sustainably and talking about this work, all of it is going to put you best foot forward to be able to meet these targets potentially for reporting head on in the future. So there's some initial ideas to get started. It's not exhaustive, but really I think these cover off some of the major ways in which organisations can get started. We're going to hear from a couple of experts now. So I was in Seville this week with the Free Kicks partners. Free Kicks is an EU-funded project which basically is for football clubs to both reduce and share their environmental impact as well as use the power of football to engage stakeholders on behavioural change. If you haven't already seen that, check out www.free-kick.eu. We're coming out with more information and data in the coming weeks and months on carbon emissions, environmental impact of a football match, for example, and what that means and how it can be reduced will be highly relevant for all sporting organisations. So we're coming out with that data in the next weeks and months. So keep an eye on that. But because we were all together, I spoke to a couple of colleagues and partners on the project to get their views on if organisations come to them and say, where should we start? What their answer would be to that question. So in the first instance, we'll hear from Tiberio Daddy, who is Associate Professor in Corporate Environmental Management, the Institute of Management at Scuola Superiore Santana in Pisa, the Santana School of Advanced Studies. So here's what Tiberio had to say about this question. According to our experience that we have had in the framework of the Free Kicks project and also in other experience that we have had with football clubs, I would suggest them to start separating the possible action that they can adopt in two different actions. The first group of this action are operational actions, so action aimed to reduce the impact of their event matches. I don't know, naturally, the size of this club is a professional, is a grassroots club, but however, in any case, they have to arrange events. The second from where they should start in a parallel way, I would say not in a temporary way, is the management and governance action. So action in the frame of their uh, organizational structure. So regarding the first group, I would say how to decide if they should start from waste, if they should start from water consumption, if they should start from energy consumption. They have to identify the ranking of the priorities they have to target. Because naturally, if you have a club like Real Betis, where we are now in south of Spain or in south of Italy, clearly you could target or you could have as a priority the water consumption but the water consumption cannot be a priority for Malmo, another club of free kicks project that is located in Sweden where they have a lot of raining period and so on. So the first step will say, let's understand what are the priority and what are the key aspects to target. How to do that? With different approaches. There are some clubs that ask to the stakeholders making a stakeholder consultation. For stakeholder we mean municipality, local communities, sponsor, 
sports and so on, asking what are the environmental priority in their opinion for the club or collecting data and analyzing the impact and identify the priority. So after that, I would say that this club, after having identified the priorities, can look at a huge amount of good practice guideline and experience that have been published in this recent year to look for the best action to take to reduce the environmental impact of the event. This form operational point of view. From organization and management point of view, I would say the first step surely is to appoint a person that will follow the sustainability and the environmental issue in the frame of the organization, because otherwise it's complicated without having defined specific role and responsibility on this aspect to follow also the other action regarding operational action. Then, according to our experience, also what we have carried out in the frame of Free Kicks project, I would say a second topic is surely monitoring of the environmental impact so they should start to collect data and this could help also to understand the priority i mentioned before regarding the events they have to identify some key performance indicator to monitor in order to understand where they are improving and where they are worsening the performance as final and third important step to the governance level i would say to think on how to improve the environmental performance of their supply chain a lot of football clubs have indirect impacts it means impact created by suppliers by contractors thinking to food and beverage cleaning uh, as we have analyzed in the free kicks project so sometimes these people create an impact that sometimes could be bigger than the impact created by the activity of the club itself so it will be good to think to this aspect and to adopt an approach that allow to manage the environmental impact of these people and of the supply chain Great to hear from Tiberio, who's involved with a lot of sporting projects and has great advice there, which I'm going to dig into a little bit more. But before I do that, let's also hear from Magdalena Nur, who is Head of Sustainability at Malmo FF in Sweden. Well, I would say to do simple things, small things, and most of all, to use your staff, your colleagues, and ask them to look into their everyday work and what could be done differently to save energy, to save water, to save transportation or or whatever. Um, I mean, sustainability, we're working very widely, broadly. We have social sustainability. We have um, uh, just recently engaged more in, in the green environmental sustainability because we do own our own stadium. So now we're in this project, the Free Kicks project, that is guiding us through how to put management systems, how to put KPIs and follow up on them regarding the sustainability. So I would say we're focusing on energy. We already have 100% renewable energy, but we would like to reduce how much we use anyhow to save money, but also to save energy, obviously, in different ways. Um, So we're talking about heating, we're talking about lead lights, and those are pretty simple things. We reduce our water waste with the urinals um, because we're using chemical cleaning instead of water, and it is actually more um, ecological, more uh, sustainable. Um, but I would say this, uh, start with small things and ask around and make sure you have the management with you. Um, so the management has to sign off, preferably the board and the management. And so it's mentioned in um, all kinds of reports and a yearly sustainability report and so on. And preferably also in media um, and involve the sport, try to get the players and so on. But again, I would say baby steps and to listen to people working with you. Great to hear from Magda on that as well. Great advice from both Tiberio and Magda. 
And let's note the number of times that the Free Kicks project was mentioned. <laughs> I love it when we cross-pollinate the projects that we're working on. Well done, to Tiberio and Magda. Okay, so just in brief then, Tiberio, great advice in terms of getting started. Think of both your operational impact and then from a management and governance perspective, what you can do. Echoing some of the elements I've mentioned there, depending on where you're based and what your needs are, your operational impacts are going to differ. So make sure you think about what they are and think about where you start based on where your impacts are. Again, the mention of data there, absolutely crucial in terms of this work. And then the second element, which you focused on a bit more, the management and governance side, obviously appointing a person to lead. If you can do that, it's absolutely great advice. I'm always conscious that in terms of this advice, if people are saying, where do we start? And they know while they're trying to start that they don't currently have the buy-in or the resource to appoint someone to lead this work across an entire sports organisation, it can feel like a barrier. So if you haven't got that, it doesn't mean you can't start. And the second point about monitoring environmental impacts, as we mentioned, the collection of data, absolutely crucial in terms of this work. Magda, so accessible in terms of her device. If you are starting and you don't have that buy-in or those resources yet, start with simple things. Use staff and colleagues. Look at the elements you can do to both save money and reduce impact. Great advice. Often people can see sustainability as an expense, as a cost centre rather than as a money saving. But time and again, we see initial capital expenditure that reduces longer term operational expenditure, which is great. Or we see you can spend the same amount of money and spend it better. Of course, there are instances where you invest in sustainability and there is a cost there, but also we need to try and shift the mindset that it always has to be a cost centre to take this action. It can enable you to spend your money better and make achievements. It can enable you to partner with organisations more strategically to achieve certain things without that expenditure. And also it can help you save money. And again, Magda also mentioned, have that buy-in ideally from a board level. Of course, always the best way to ensure success. This was a roundup of the question that we had in from Lauren about where should sports clubs start? I hope you found this information useful. We'll share more information on social media in terms of where you can start and how you can get going. We love to hear from you. Keep your questions coming. Make sure you share your thoughts on where you got started and what your advice would be to others on social media, on our LinkedIn, Twitter, X pages and Instagram. And we look forward to speaking to you next time on the Climate of Sport podcast. Ask me anything with me, Claire Poole. Thanks for listening to the Climate of Sport podcast. Please like and subscribe 